Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And today we'd like to welcome Katherine Miller. She's an attorney for the Center for Hope and Safety in Northern New Jersey. The Center for Hope and Safety is a shelter for battered women and children, um, and it's a full service shelter. And Catherine is the in-house counsel for the victims that come to the center. And so welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for being here. And thank you for having me. So Domestic Violence Awareness Month is coming up in October, and the ex-experts have um, chosen to align ourselves with the Center for Hope and Safety. I have a personal connection with them in terms of partnering with them on past events that I used to do. And uh, at the events, women would seek haven and come to the event for the purpose of never going home again. And so that was really unbelievable that people's lives were being saved right in front of our eyes. And it was because of this amazing organization and community that they have set up there. So Kate, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get to the center? Thank you. So I've been an attorney for over 10 years. Um, I've always been fortunate enough to practice in public interest. I started my career in the Baltimore City Prosecutor's Office. And then when I moved to New Jersey, I started working at Partners for Women and Justice, which is a non law firm here in New Jersey serves domestic violence. And then in 2016, I started working for the center, which really attracted me because it's a full service domestic violence organization. So a client can call, she can receive shelter, she can receive counseling for her children, and she can receive legal, uh, legal assistance all in one phone call. So how does a woman even start with this? I mean, do they, is there a hotline that they call and then they kind of are directed by whoever's on the phone with them of, of you know, how to help them with their immediate needs and then their long-term needs? How do they get to you in the first place? Yes, so any client can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, and I'll just say the number here. It's 1-800-799-7233. And they'll connect her to a local program that can provide her with safety planning so that the, and she can determine what kind of services she needs. Like she might be calling just because she's not ready to leave and maybe she just wants to explore like what are my options or she might be calling in a crisis and say like look I need safe shelter immediately and then they can see what they can provide her. I just want to make a quick note for anyone listening um, that that number is also on the ex-experts website right on the homepage. Um, you know where there is a support and to put that information out to anybody who needs it. So um, if you know anybody who, who would need it, that's also, you know, you can find it there. But Kate, I wanted to ask you, you know, with everything going on in the world today, with the pandemic, with COVID, talk to us a little bit about what you guys are seeing with regards to possibly the increase of circumstances of, of um, I want to say women, but obviously it could be men too, people in situations uh, of domestic violence. So unfortunately, these pandemics and all natural disasters have informed, have been shown to really increase domestic violence. You know, people are home, they're even more isolated. It's, 
it's a really bad situation. I mean, like, you know, some of us are being driven by our kids, are being driven crazy by our, our children, even in normal relationships. So once you throw in that extra dimension of domestic violence, it gets even worse. So we've seen an increase of domestic violence in these situations, but very troubling. We haven't been seeing an increase in calls. And we think that's because a lot of clients are lying low. They don't want to leave in this pandemic. So it, it's a, it is a recipe for a disaster in unfortunate ways. Would you say that there are, I, I, I don't know enough about the topic and which is why we're so glad to have you here because you are the expert, but um, I would imagine that there are a lot of people in situations that may, for one reason or another, kind of justify what's going on in their homes, whether it's um, minor, so to speak, air quotes, physical uh, violence, oh, well, he just hit me this one time, or it was just a push or whatever it was, versus um, even if it's emotional or verbal abuse, well, you know, it's just this or it's just that. And I'm wondering for anybody listening, for either themselves or anyone they know in their lives, is there just a line that to anyone who is an expert in this area would say, that may seem minor to you, and maybe you think that it's not worth making a big deal about, but it is. And kind of where, what is that line? Is it any time someone you know, raises their hand to you? Kind of help us for people to sort of understand what defines um, domestic violence. Well, so first of all, I don't think that there is such a thing as minor domestic violence and everybody has a right to have a happy, wonderful relationship where you are respected and you respect your partner in return. Mm -hmm. um, as for warning signs, the, the essential element of domestic violence is about power and control. So you might not even, he might, I'm just saying he because 99% of all abusers are men. And um, so that's just why I'm using the pronoun he. Of course, it can right. be either way. But um, even though your abuser may never lay a hand over you, if they're still controlling you, like we have clients who they had to text every time that they left and not in a loving way, but in a, you know, like I'm going out, I'll be back in 10 minutes, you know, and they have to be back in 10 minutes. Even if you have such a, a behavior like that, that just controlling or harassment or threats, you don't need a physical level of domestic violence in order for you to still be in a domestic violence relationship. Mm -hmm. That's really important, I think, for people to know. Because like I said, I think that there might be people out there thinking whatever they're going through doesn't quite fit the criteria and they may be afraid about reporting it or asking for help because they may be afraid that someone will minimize whatever their experience is. I, I appreciate that you're saying it's anytime you're feeling like you're being controlled, regardless. Right. And I'll also hear from a lot of clients that like, oh, well, you know, my children don't realize what's going on. And unfortunately, a lot of times children can realize more than you think. Mm. So even though you might not think that your children know they can sense things and they're also very susceptible to trauma at such a young age so even if you are being controlled even if you are getting these threats like it can still pass on and have effects onto your children as well yeah yeah kids are are very um in tune with their parents and um i mean you know jessica and i are both divorced fortunately not victims of domestic violence but just kids in general are very perceptive 
And, you know, I hear many times from friends, you know, we're going to stay together for the kids. And I'm thinking the kids don't want you together. <laughs> right. The kids are like rooting for you to move on. They know what's going on. So yeah, that just adds another layer of stress. If you have children in the house um, and, and you have a domestic violent, you know, a situation with your, with your spouse or whoever right. you're living with. So I think that if you're feeling like you are in a domestic violence relationship, if there is any control, like I encourage everyone to call the hotline so that then they could safety plan with a counselor to see, you know, what would be their next step. And then, so tell us more about what you do exactly. So once a woman comes into the shelter, how, how what kind of, what does in-house counseling mean for them? So I run, run the legal department. So for us providing in-house counseling, what that means is that um, she won't have to go elsewhere to find an attorney, but we also serve victims who are not in the safe house. So if we get a phone call, we'll complete a detailed intake to determine um, what their history, the lethality of the case, um, just so that we can get a better idea of it. And then we can provide free representation um, to the client uh, in their family law matters. And we also provide representation in immigration matters because that's such a huge part, part especially wow. nowadays. Mm -hmm. So we represent clients in restraining order cases, custody cases, support cases, and divorce cases as well. So it could actually be all of the above. Exactly. For yes. someone. Right. Yes. That's a lot. That's a lot. Right. And that's very overwhelming anyway. But knowing that you guys offer those resources, what about centers that don't have that available? So it is very hard to get free or um, low cost legal services. Um, some centers have that available. Other times they'll link up with a legal service services or legal aid bureau. Or um, there might be another, like I said, how I work for a nonprofit law firm. So there, might, there may be other resources available to clients who are out of state. Or but if they call the helpline, if they call the hotline and they say where they are, then hopefully they can be directed by that person on the phone for legal, for legal support, whether it's in the center or outside of the center. Yes. Okay, great. So you, the number one place to go first is to call that hotline. Yes. Okay. okay. And again, that number is on the X Experts website. You can find it easily and, and we'll post it in a link um, accompanying the podcast here. So Kate, what would you say um, for people who, can you give us, it may sound simplistic, um, kind of a definition for people to really understand exactly what domestic violence means and, and um, what it means and involves? I mean, so I would say, I would again say it's a power and control where one intimate partner has power and control over another partner. Um, it can be, it can be so many things. Um, there's many parts of domestic violence. Um, there's there can be the, the put downs, you know, the, const, the, the constant um, insults and such. There can be financial abuse, like you're not letting you control your own money. 
there can be even using like the children against you, like, you know, um, saying how you're a bad mother, or if you don't do what I say, I'm going to keep the children from you. Mm. Um, then of course there can be, there can be the physical abuse. There can be like hitting, spitting. Um, there can be sexual abuse. Now with the internet, uh, <laughs> I say now that there's the internet, the, but <laughs> Uh, but uh, there can be cyber abuse. Like we deal with some clients where um, they'll be posting new pictures of them on the internet or something. Like there's all different kinds of abuse, but if they're happening in an intimate partner relationship and it's done with the purpose to have control over another person, then I would say that is what domestic violence is. So if you're not experiencing it yourself, but you're, you think a friend might be going through it, what kind of signs should you look for and how do you even help? Like what's the first step in helping that person? Mm. So some of the warning signs that I would look out for is just if your friend's telling you things that make you suspect about that control, like, oh, I have to be home, you know, by six and not, I mean, you know, sometimes we all have to be home by six, but it's, it's, if it's more than that, like it's a, it's a warning sign or, you know, where if you, you see that she's not able to spend her own money or if she, if she says like, I, you know, I'd want to wear that dress, but my partner says I can't because I look like a hooker or something in that. Um, I would say that all of those are warning signs as well of, of course, you know, bruises or like phone calls if she mm -hmm. tells you things. But you might just, if you, she's saying things that you're just like, that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing that you can do is be there for her as a friend. Because one of the things that abusers often do is they try to isolate their victims. So they'll do these behaviors or they'll even act like a jerk around her friends. So her friends don't want to be around him. But in order to hang out with her friends, she'd have to hang out with him because he doesn't let her hang out with anyone but him. So slowly he begins to erode all of her relationships mm -hmm. so that when she does want to make a phone call to a friend, she doesn't have any friends. So right. if you can even just be there for her as her friend and you could say like, you know, I don't really like the way he treats you, but I'm still going to be your friend through it. Then that's a big thing. Yeah. Just probably checking in also making sure everything's okay, especially in this, this, uh, world of COVID right now. Yes. You really need to check in on your, on your friends. Yes. Is there anything you could say to somebody that would not be offensive to them, where if that were their situation, they would be more likely to be receptive based on something specific that you're saying or the way that you're phrasing it? I mean, all of that is highly individualized, okay. but I think, you know, saying like, you know, you deserve, you deserve better or something. I'm, I, I hesitate to say something because it, it is so highly individualized in the person okay. in the situation. Right. I would imagine, and this isn't just imagining, that just being a good listener and just like being a body in the space, you know, with someone, because um, I know people who, who go through distress and I just know that for them, if I'm just physically there and you just, you're physically there with them, you don't really have to say anything. You know, just the comfort of another person there, just letting them be whatever is gonna happen. Cry, yeah, but laugh, I'm thinking, scream. I'm thinking like if you 
are having a conversation with someone, you're right. I, I agree that probably being there is huge, but then I also think they still may not say something to you because A, they don't know how to broach it or they don't want to scare you off or they don't mm -hmm. want to say something mm -hmm. that's going to potentially make you not want to be their friend anymore because now you don't want to deal with their drama and their baggage. So I just am wondering if there's anything, and Kate, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just saying like what I was, what I was in my mindset was kind of wondering if there was something that you could say that sort of indicates to them more just than I'm here for you, but like, I'm here, I see what's going on, and I'm, and I'm, you can talk to me about it whenever you want without actually saying those words. Because look, God forbid they're not dealing with something like that. And now all of a sudden they're like, screw you. Like you're making right. all these horrible assumptions about me and my relationship. Maybe he's just a dick, you know? And like, <laughs> yeah. maybe he yeah. should, no, seriously, like, you know, whatever. So I, I just, I, that's what I was kind of wondering. Like, is there any way to kind of give a little bit of a signal of, you can, I, I, I see it and I'm here for when you're ready to talk about it. But I guess to your point, Kate, it is so individual. You don't want to offend anybody. Everybody reacts to things differently. I don't know that there's actually a script or a specific, you know, key word or safe word, so to speak, that you could use to somebody that would let them know what you're saying to them is really, I, I, this is what I'm afraid of for you. And, mm -hmm. and when the time is right that you're ready to talk about it, I'm here to listen. Mm -hmm. It's very like I like your point about being being just listening, and you also want to you do also want to give off the impression of being non judgmental because it's embarrassing. Right. Like nobody mm -hmm. wants to think of it. I mean, like we all want to think of ourselves as like strong, independent women. Like we don't want you don't imagine this happening to you. So by the time that it comes to something that you'd even talk to your friends about, like I mean. I hear clients be, or I could imagine clients reaching out and hearing like, oh, well, if some guy did that to me, I'd leave right away. So right. you, you don't want to have that judgment. So I, I, I mean, I think listening is the number one step. And then, no you know, judgment. you can all, yeah, you can, no judgment. Rec, um, you could recommend they call the hotline. Um, may, maybe if you could bring it up in a way that wouldn't be embarrassing to them. Um, but it, it, it's so individual. Right. So as far as without giving direct legal advice, I mean, are these women successful? I know every case is different, just like every divorce is different, every relationship is different, but in the extreme cases, are they able to move on with their lives with all the support that you guys are giving and the legal support, like legally? you know, is the legal system protecting these women and children? I guess that's my question. I think that the legal system is doing its best to protect these women and children. And we are, we, so we as an agency are lucky. Um, at, we have been very successful in our cases. I mean, of course, not everybody wins, but, right. mo but most of the time, the vast majority of the time we are able to obtain a favorable outcome for our clients. And even, so say that you do go for criminal charges or something and the criminal charges, uh, he's found not guilty. Even if they're found not guilty and in, and in some ways, yes, the legal system did fail you. It's not like you have to go back to that situation. Mm -hmm. So because of other services that we offer and also just uh, and other services that other DV agencies offer, I would say these women are successful because they're able to leave the situation, which is the safest thing of all. Right. Mm -hmm. and Making the that first step. 
is right. probably the hardest thing ever because then you're really admitting to yourself. Right. Like I I'm sure I the act goosebumps. of leaving is so scary, but also for yourself, that's like your holy shit moment. I'm really doing this. Right. And you know, that's, that's also, so there, I think there, I think it is monumental when they leave emotionally as well as the actual act of getting the hell out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I'll be in court and I'll hear clients just be like, I never imagined that I would be here. But, um, one of my favorite things is they'll say how they didn't realize how tired they were because it, I mean, it's exhausting to live like that, like constant right. conflict. And you have to always be, you know, like monitoring yourself. Am I doing things so that I don't piss him off or whatever? So it's once they're finally free, they're like, it's so peaceful here. And I can finally just get a good night's sleep. It's, it's so great. Not walking on eggshells. So rewarding. Yeah, totally. So will you tell us like one or two really good, happy ending stories? Uh, yes. So, um, we, I represented one client. Um, so unfortunately she was the victim of abuse for like 20 years mm. and she had called the police before, um, he had been arrested, but he, but she dropped the charges because she didn't want him to lose his job because he supported the family. Um, but then this most recent incident occurred where he strangled her and she scratched him in self-defense. And because she did not have visible marks because when you're strangled, you don't have visible marks, but he had scratch marks oh on his God. face. She was arrested because he learned from his previous experience. He's like, oh, if I call the cops, then she'll be arrested. And he got temporary custody of the kids. So we represented her in, a, in her restraining order trial. Um, we were a, eventually able to win her back custody of the kids. We were, we cooperated with the prosecutor's office. Um, so then they dropped the charges against her and instead filed criminal charges against him. And right. now she has custody of the children. She lives in the house. Uh, well, her own house now. And, um, and she's doing great. And he, last we saw him, he was like renting a room in a halfway house because he'd gotten out. It, it, it was wonderful. <laughs> Because <laughs> I want that, I want people to hear this and know that right. there there are just it is there is a rainbow on the other it's side. Possible. You know, right. it, it's possible, and and women's resilience is you know amazing. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And and so that client, like when she first came in, she was all you know, uh, her shoulders were forward. She was wearing like all black. She just she looked. You could tell that she had been through a lot. And then I had, I got the, uh, I met, I met her later on and she was wearing like leopard print heels and her hair was done and she was just holding herself in such a different manner. And it was just so great to be like, you have been through so much and look at who you are now. And she, and she found her power back and it was, it was wonderful. And this woman, uh, like she had been through so much. That's amazing. That's such a great story. I'm sure there are a million more stories like that. And there's so much more to talk about. We really appreciate you bringing all of this information to our ex-experts community. So I know you've given the hotline before, but just one more time, like the best way anyone listening, anyone who either needs help or who wants to help, what are the best ways for them to reach you guys? Because if they want to help, the hotline isn't necessarily the right way to go. 
So if they need help, again, the hotline, and it, you said it's also on your website, it's 1-800-799-7233. And if you're in the New Jersey area and you want to uh, either seek help or volunteer with us, our website is www.hopeandsafetynj.org. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the X-Experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.